So, an introduction to this podcast. Well, basically, it's a lawyer, that being me, Samir Banga, from the firm Banga Legal, speaking about some issues that seem to be not just topical, but underlying in society. My view is a little bit different from the norm, just in case most people who are joining us don't know, or for the people who don't know. However, we've had an interesting 2020, 2021, and even 2022. So, where does 2023 take us? That's the question. So we're going to speak about legal aspects, non-legal aspects, ethical even, and other dilemmas as we speak. But some of it's going to be, or most of us would say, should be from a legal perspective. Some of it be more opinion, but let's talk. And let's generally introduce topics that not many people want to speak about. If you have any questions or want anything answered, contact us at samir at banga.com.au. That's S-A-M-I-R at B-A-N-G-A dot com.au. And welcome to this podcast. So in this podcast, we're going to deal with a question that I've been asked several times and I believe is obviously quite important. Unvaccinated workers in different states. As you know, the treatment of unvaccinated workers has been pretty similar across the board, but there are some definitive and definite differences between the way the states have done it. Now, one of the questions we have been asked several times here at Bunga Legal and myself personally, and in case you don't know who I am, Samir Bunga, is what state has been the worst? It's not an easy question to answer in some ways, but I guess there is always some sort of answer. Partly, it depends. But when you actually grill down into the numbers and our experience in this field, Victoria probably is one of the worst states, if not the worst. You'll see that states like Tasmania have done relatively well, even though there was a hiatus on unvaccinated medical professional being allowed to work, that's nurses, doctors, chiropractors, anyone allied health really as well. But Victoria has been the worst and continues to be the worst. What I will say is New South Wales hasn't exactly caught up. It was a bit better for private practitioners for a bit, but then there was a clamp down on private practitioners last year. For some of you that may recall, allied health was safe from, I guess you could say, the policies and mandates at one point. That changed pretty quickly, however, and it became a bit of an issue. General practitioners and your local GP was safe at one point as well. It was really the hospitals that were being targeted in New South Wales, but what ended up happening was a distinct change. From there, there was a considerable target placed on the back of allied health workers and anyone who wasn't working in the hospital system, public system, and working in the private system. The exact reasons for this, look, I don't think it's even important in a sense, but there is the hypothesis that the time had come to crack down and they weren't getting the uptake that they wanted. That in itself is a question that needs to be discussed and a discussion that needs to be had. Why? Why were these practitioners so willing to go without being vaccinated? These are medical professionals still, whether you like it or not. APRA obviously didn't really like it, but look, APRA's response basically was whatever the state says, we go with that and we play with those lines or we play with those rules. But I can tell you APRA did have involvement in it and some strong involvement in this too. So getting back to it, you were safe for a bit as a private practitioner in New South Wales, but then your time did come where the guillotine was placed over your neck and you either succumbed or did some creative I'm going to say creative work. Now, if you were a psychologist, for example, psychiatrist or someone that was able to operate by means of telehealth, 
things are very different for you across the board. Victoria, there was a little bit of an upheaval at one point, or should I say New South Wales, actually, where when the specific mandate was introduced, there was some grey over whether telehealth was allowed. Now, Victoria was pretty clear telehealth was allowed, so it was New South Wales, so I do correct myself. But if you're a practitioner that could work over telehealth, it was a little bit different. Now, that's not anyone who's hands-on. A chiropractor, a physio, you couldn't do that. A GP, of course you could, at least for a tool a point, I guess, but then there'd be certain patients you'd have to turn away. Working in hospital, you obviously couldn't do that, so that wasn't an option. Mind you, I will say across the board, Victoria actually had a pretty well-written one in the sense of there was a backdoor clause allowing certain practitioners to work unvaccinated if they were in need and it was an emergency circumstance. Now, this did apply to all practitioners, but it applied better to certain practitioners. And if you were a consultant doctor, for example, some of my emergency doctors use this clause and were told to use this clause by the hospitals. Don't bother getting vaccinated. I mean, that's not what they said, but they basically were told that this was how they'd get called in because a lot of them obviously spend a lot of time on the phone, less time in the actual hospital itself. So when that time came, they were allowed to enter unvaccinated and not many questions were asked. So one then wonders why that was done, obviously, because there was a drastic shortage and there was a requirement. And unfortunately, certain people didn't have the luxury, I'm going to say luxury, or were not able to indulge in using that provision. Now, if you were a junior doctor, a registrar, an intern, no hope. I mean, even if you were higher than the registrar, an advanced trainee, you still probably had no hope. This was really the consultants who could jump on board and use that provision. I'm sure there were some who were not in that bracket who were able to, and it also depended on hospital. Now, if anyone thinks this was applied across the board to everyone equally, that is utter, utter bullshit. It wasn't. There were people getting away with it. I am aware of it, and in my experience, I've seen it. Nurses did not. Nurses got hit very, very hard. And I think nurses were treated quite poorly. I'm not saying doctors are treated a lot better, but nurses are treated quite poorly. There was a subsection of the medical society that basically tried to stay quiet, get through, and I think they used that as their way to get out of jail. Don't talk too much, don't say too much, don't argue. Just try and come up with some kind of agreement with your senior. That was happening. It still happens, and it happens across the board. I'm not going to take a sledge at these people, but it definitely was, and there were, I'm going to say practitioners, medical professionals who were a lot more vocal about what they wanted and how they wanted it to go. So again, this is across the board. I know I'm jumping a little bit, but going back to Victoria, the heavy-handed state, Victoria basically introduced a blanket policy for everyone pretty quickly, and this applied to you regardless of whether you were a private practitioner or a practitioner in the public spectrum. So at least the arguable phrase here is, or the arguable thought here is that it didn't really matter where you were and I didn't discriminate, whereas in New South Wales there was a bit of a difference. Now let's look at some of the other states. Queensland was late to the party. They didn't actually bring in 
the mandates until a little bit later. So a number of practitioners are a little bit safer, shall we say. And I can tell you this, a lot of them didn't really engage with other states. I think they were watching to see what happened. Some of them hoped it wasn't going to happen in Queensland and some of them genuinely believed it wasn't going to. The problem is, it wasn't true and it did come. The time did come. It was just later. I know of, not just practitioners, people who moved from Victoria to New South Wales or Queensland, more Queensland, I believe, but a number of practitioners who did move to Queensland in order to work, and I can tell you that some of them weren't expecting it to come in, but when it did, they knew there were issues. So Queensland basically had a blanket approach once they did introduce it. There were a number of practitioners who got away, shall I say, scot-free, or were able to keep their heads underwater and get through, but they did introduce a blanket approach. South Australia was a little bit similar, but there's something interesting about South Australia as well. If you had an exemption in other states, generally an exemption that was approved by ATAGI, you would come onto your app and you'd basically get a green tick just as if someone was vaccinated, right? South Australia was different. Your exemption had to be approved by the minister, the premier, which is very odd, an extra step. This wasn't just in medical, by the way, but obviously a lot of the professionals that we were working with in, sorry, working with in South Australia were medical professionals. So you had to go through this extra layer, submit it to the minister with information about why, and they would either sign off or not. And if they didn't sign off, your exemption wasn't valid, so you couldn't actually work. So they added an extra layer. Not many people know about this, interestingly. So South Australia wasn't one of the better states. Now, our dealings with South Australia came a little bit later, so I didn't quite pick up if they were more along the lines of New South Wales or Victoria in how they dealt with practitioners in public and private generally. But when they did deal with them, they were pretty heavy-handed and it was similar across the board. I know there was a lot more private practitioners who got away in South Australia. The crunch wasn't as bad, but doesn't mean it didn't apply. Western Australia is obviously the state that seems to think it is better than every other state in Australia, and I think that's been the same since the time of Federation. Federation was effectively delayed, you could say, because of Western Australia, and I don't think anything's changed in the sentiment. I have nothing against people from Western Australia, and I do want to visit. I've never actually physically been there. I've conducted matters there online, and I've had clients from Western Australia, but funnily enough, haven't actually been there physically. That will happen, hopefully not too long after this podcast, but that is the plan. Now, Western Australia was late introducing the mandate as well, interestingly, but when they did, they went hard. And Western Australia used the police to enforce it. Whereas in W, sorry, in Victoria, you had authorised officers. New South Wales was a bit of a mix, but in Western Australia, the police were regularly used to enforce it. And I understand that there were a number of police who left because of this too. They weren't happy with enforcing it, and some police in WA actually took a very good approach to how they enforced it and were very issued warnings, and they basically told the person they were dealing with that these were orders coming from up above, not something they wanted to do. I do have respect for those officers. I don't know how many of them there were, but I was told about some of them. But anyway, getting back to the point, WA was quite strict, and we did have some issues in WA with our clients. Now to be clear about our clients, probably should have done this earlier, our clients ranged from doctors, chiros, nurses, 
uh, psychologists, other people in allied health such as Chinese medical practitioners, osteos, etc., etc. We didn't really have just one branch, but we heavily work with chiros. With nurses, there's a bit of a mix. We have periods where we had more nurses, some where we had less, and doctors was also a mix. In a separate podcast, I'll tell you about the fight or the will, the sentiment, the strength of each of these medical professionals. And I can tell you it's very, very different. I'm not sure who you guys expect would be the stronger fighter in this, but I can tell you that there are certain subsections that were really poor or certain medical professionals that were really, really poor. There were other subsections or other medical professionals who were much stronger. Now, some of them go across traditional lines because there are certain medical professionals who are treated very differently to others. That is a podcast I'll do at a later point, not now, but it is something I want everyone to be aware of. There is a superiority complex amongst the medical profession, and you can imagine where I'm going with that. Think about that one for our next podcast. There will be some targeting. Some people are going to hate me because of what I say, but such is life, and I was born to be hated, I think. Let's just move on. Now, I haven't really touched the ACT. There's a reason for that. Well, I guess I've said states, but I shouldn't clump the ACT and treat ACT and NT, Northern Territory, differently. But the truth is, I don't actually know too much about the ACT. We had barely any dealings with the ACT, and I didn't look into it much. I do know some practitioners that were working there that worked throughout and never stopped. So I'm not exactly sure what the ruling or the rules were, the mandates or directions were. I'm not sure if they did that off their own back or if they had support. So I can't really say too much. But what I can talk to you about is the Northern Territory. Now, their policy was utter bullshit and racist, quite frankly. And I don't take this lightly when I say racist. Indigenous Australians are treated as vulnerable Australians. And you could practice, for example, as a Cairo with unvaccinated Australians to a certain extent. At a period of time before it got stronger, that is. But you couldn't have patients under 12, which is weird because as far as we're told, the younger you are, the more or the less likely COVID is going to affect you. You couldn't work with Indigenous Australians. They weren't asked the question. They were just told in a mandate, in a piece of writing that gave them no real consideration. So basically what we said in the Northern Territory was, if you are an Indigenous Australian, you are a vulnerable person and you are effectively in need of protection. I don't believe any First Nations Australian would appreciate that. No white Australian should appreciate that. No, no Australian of any background should appreciate that. That was openly racist and utter bullshit. Northern Territory and Ghana were pretty, I'm going to say crazy and out there, not too dissimilar from Western Australia with some of what they did. The interesting thing about Western Australia was although they said a lot, at times they weren't as, their bark was bigger than their bite. You know, I think NT was similar because the resources in NT were probably a little bit less than what they had in Victoria and New South Wales. In fact, I dare say Victoria probably devoted the most resources into their enforcement. New South Wales was pretty high, probably not as much as Victoria. Queensland got higher and higher. South Australia actually devoted a number of resources as well, but that started dwindling and dwaning towards the end of, maybe not the end of, maybe the middle of 2022, but it got smaller and smaller and now it's obviously much smaller. So let's move across to what's happening now in the public health system and private healthcare system. 
nurses are effectively still suffering the same fate as they were over the last six, eight, ten months, year, maybe two years. Western Australia has finally opened, or should I say, it is opening up to unvaccinated nurses coming back. New South Wales, there are opportunities here and there. I believe some nurses have shifted across to aged care in order to get work. But generally speaking, in New South Wales, you cannot work in hospitals if you're unvaccinated. It's no different in Victoria. They have been allowed in Tasmania for some time. Tasmania was actually before WA. I believe I might have forgotten that because I published something a bit late last year or later last year. It's just that in Tasmania, we haven't really heard too much. Not much of the information has gone public. But I guess if you look at the demographic of Tasmania and the older population there, what do you really do? It's probably more dire and desperate. And you probably don't have the same type of premiership that you have across other states, such as Western Australia, Victoria, and New South Wales. I will say I am surprised by how New South Wales has functioned. I did genuinely think that New South Wales would lighten up a little bit quicker than the other states and I genuinely believe that nurses in New South Wales would be allowed to return to work but generally that has not been the case there have been nurses who are getting through who are managing to get through regardless of their vaccination status that is very much a case-by-case basis and it's not everyone in general the advertisements for these positions still require I think three shots some four to be able to work. Whereas, as I said, I do know some who are not vaccinated at all, zero shots, and are working, but very, very hard. Some are still on exemptions. Some, I believe, or a couple I believe are not. But these are obviously scenarios that I can't reveal too publicly. I can give you that information and run with it from there. Going back to WA, you would have seen that post, and that came from a number of nurses who were allowed to return to work, one of which who has shown me her contract, which is nice to be able to see, and yes, unvaccinated. One does wonder why. It obviously is dire in that state, and I don't think it's any different in other states. Victoria has a severe shortage of nurses, New South Wales does, and this predates any of the two or three year carnage, right? This predates COVID times. There's always been a shortage in nurses, or maybe not always, but the last few years that I remember, there has been. So to treat nurses like they have is a bit stupid, to say the least. One might wonder why they're still applying the policies, and it does seem like there's a bit of ego, and the lack of ability and foresight. Also, admission. Does the government really want to admit what they've done is wrong? I mean, I could postulate slightly differently and say if you were to open up now you're basically doing what you've done anyway and saying that doesn't matter what industry you're in finally we are allowing unvaccinated nurses back and unvaccinated doctors back and other professionals as well but the public health system remains tight in victoria new south wales queensland even from what i understand basically it hasn't changed and isn't really changing fast I do foresee some changes in 2023. I think it's going to hit a level where the requirement for nurses is going to increase drastically. I think they're going to realize it's not working with who they currently have. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the nurses there who are vaccinated. But what I am saying is when you have a severe shortage in number, how do you make up for it? You 
can pretend that it's working. You can give more patience to an individual nurse, but the workload increases drastically. I'm not a nurse, but common sense would dictate it's going to get harder and harder as it goes. No different in the school, let's be honest. There are some serious, serious changes needed right now. So let's look at doctors. It's basically the same in the public health system. They're being treated very similar to nurses in terms of vaccination status. But, but like I mentioned previously, certain doctors are able to get away with it. The other question is how many are still floating around who have openly not been vaccinated? Some people understand what I'm talking about in that regard, but let's just say openly not been vaccinated. Some of them are now welcome back from what I understand, and there has been probably more provision to doctors than there has been to nurses. But again, this is based on some of the information I have. So all across the country to be completely concrete is impossible for anyone, but definitely for me. So in private, it's a little bit different. The private system with Allied Health, for example, is basically open slather at the moment, where the actual clinic, for example, dental practice, psychology practice, or whatever the chiropractic practice, whatever the practice may be, sets their own rules, and this is pretty much across the board. Amongst Allied Health, the rate of caring, should I say, about vaccination status is pretty low. There are some practices who do. Dental practices have been a mix, but generally across Allied Health, it's quite low, as in the care factor. Psychologists are a little bit different in that regard. A lot of psych practices do care and have cared. In fact, there was a time where, and some still apply it, where they don't want to see patients who are unvaccinated, at least in person, but I'll offer telehealth. I believe there are a few clinics who still practice that same model or have that same model in place. Now, again, whether that's necessary, right or wrong, that's a different question, but I'm just, for argument's sake and information's sake, putting that out there at the moment. So private practice has generally been better. But what's interesting in Western Australia is in Western Australia is slightly different in the sense that public is opening up to unvaccinated, but private not necessarily, which is odd. But across the board, what we seem to have across the states and territories now is the individual business setting up their expectations for their staff or the staff they hire. This basically means that you have both vaccinated and unvaccinated workers working in private practice. New South Wales has been for some time. Victoria, it's only been recently and very recently. Even that, there was a lot of confusion over. So Victoria didn't openly say it. It was kind of a dropping without talking about it. If you actually read the direction itself, it was very vague and didn't refer to it directly. In fact, there were ways in which you could read that particular document and still believe vaccination was required. However, when we made some further inquiries, investigated a bit further, that's when we found out unvaccinated people could return to work in Victoria. So that's basically similar across the board now, but public health is the big outlier, or should I say, they're keeping up across most states and territories. I'm not 100% sure what's happening in Northern Territory right now with public health. I think it's similar to New South Wales and Victoria. WA has opened up, Tasmania has opened up. But at least on our side of the country, things are still staying closed. How long that will be, as I've said previously, I'm hoping for major changes across this month, sorry, this year, not this month, across the 2023 period. But we can't be sure and we don't know 100% of that's going to be the case. 
This podcast is going to raise further questions for a lot of people, as in what is next, what's happening, where's this going to go. But this is a lot more information than I provided in my Instagram video and for real reasons. Now, for anyone who doesn't follow us yet on Instagram, samir.bunga, then obviously the firm is Bunga Legal, B-A-N-G-A Legal. We've recently started Twitter, although I'm not very good with it, and that's at Bunga, sorry, that's at Samir underscore Bunga. I wish I could get Samir.Bunga, but that didn't seem to happen, so we got underscore, which is as close as we could get. There's going to be a lot more information here, and I'll speak about practitioners in general and how they've dealt with the last two or three years in my experience from the work we've done and how we've done it, and we'll go over that as time goes on and possibly the next podcast as I said we'll look at say for example doctors and nurses and where the fight has been because it is really interesting when you look at it and pinpoint it but anyway if you have any questions let us know feel free to shoot it through and the email address to shoot through some of the questions is samir at bunga.com.au so s-a-m-i-r at b-a-n-g-a.com.au thanks